The reading is taken from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 to 16. I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to his people. In saying he ascended, what does it mean that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended, far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, but human coming, sorry, by human coming, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint which is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Today's second reading comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 to 11. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are varieties of service, but the same Lord, and there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good, for to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So begin, let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your word through which you speak to us, through which you reveal yourself to us. So I pray in light of that truth that I as preacher just get out of the way, there'd be far, far less of me and far, far more of you. 
that your people gathered virtually would be edified and your son Jesus glorified. For we ask this in his name. Amen. Our second reading that Valerie just read comes to us from the book of 1 Corinthians, a letter that the Apostle Paul has written to a church in the city of Corinth, which is on the southern tip of Greece. And the letter opens us up to a a set of grievous circumstances that is facing this church. There's a, a sex scandal, there's deep theological and socioeconomic division, There is an infection of spiritual pride and and a conflict brought on by gift tension. Very deep and real problems that is having a catastrophic impact upon this church's life and mission. And Paul is addressing it with very strong, clear, decisive language. It's a very hard-hitting letter. Now, years ago, the Welsh preacher, D.M. Lloyd-Jones, was preaching a series through this letter, and he would have members of his congregation often coming up to him after a service and saying, oh, thank God that, that we're not a church that requires such a letter to be written to us. And Jones had a, a very mixed response. He said, well, yes, thank God, but also no. It is grievous that we don't bear more resemblance to this church. Really? How? Well, this fall, we've been looking at the gifts that God lavishes upon his church, that we might walk in step and balance and equilibrium with the calling, that we might bear witness in word and deed to the new humanity, the new future that Jesus has won for us in his death and resurrection, that we might be brought to maturity in Christ and be built up in love, And the Corinthian church, to its credit, was a community where the diversity of gifts were being received and expressed. These past weeks, we've been exploring that diversity of gifts using three categories that were coined by Fuller Seminary professor Robert Clinton. He coined these categories to better help us understand the gifts and their functions. A few weeks ago, James took us through the love gifts, gifts that manifest the love of God in practical ways. The week after, Orvin took us through the word gifts, gifts that clarify the nature, action, and purposes of God. This morning, we're turning to that final category of gifts, that of the power gifts, gifts that demonstrate the power, presence, and purposes of God. And that reading from 1 Corinthians 12 gives us a list of those power gifts. And so, if you have your Bible handy, I'd encourage you to turn there as we go through it together. Now, this list that Paul gives us here of prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues, faith, discernment of spirits, healing, words of wisdom and knowledge, I would suspect will create a a variety of different responses in us, from confusion to fear, disbelief, yearning. So I believe it would be important for us to look at what we mean by each of these different gifts. First, we have prophecy. 
This is when God gives someone the ability to express publicly a truth of a predictive or situational nature. Here's what God's up to. Next is tongues, speaking in an unknown language. And it seems from the New Testament that this refers to two different things. First, the ability to speak in a language that is unknown to the speaker, but known to the listener. We have an example of this in Acts chapter 2, when the Spirit descends on the disciples, empowering them to proclaim the good news of Jesus in the languages of the pilgrims to Jerusalem, but languages they did not know. The second reference to tongues in the New Testament seems to be to a, a kind of private prayer language that aids in worship, which can also be spoken in a congregational setting, accompanied by someone who interprets it for the benefit of everyone. And this set of gifts, I think, really illustrates the the mutual interdependence of the spiritual gifts, all of them. Because if a word is spoken in tongues to a community in an unknown language and there's no interpretation, well, that word is utterly useless to the community. It's just blabbering. This gift of tongues requires a complementary gift, an interpreter of tongues, someone who can interpret what has been said for the sake of the community. A little bit ago, I was speaking with someone from our community who shared a a striking story of their experience with tongues. She and her husband were visiting friends in England, and while they were staying with them, they were invited to attend their small group Bible study. In the middle of the Bible study, someone began to speak in tongues, which really weirded this person out. This is not something they'd experienced before. But in that feeling, they also had the impression that they knew exactly what that person said and sharing it. It made perfect sense to that small group of whom they'd never seen them before. The next power gift is faith. We're, yes, all called to exercise faith, a a living trust in God, but this power gift is about someone given the discernment of what God is up to in a community and of utter confidence that God will accomplish it. A person with this gift speaks of God's purposes in a way that will ease fears, build trust, and get a community on side. In our working toward two morning services, which seems like a lifetime ago, but was only a year ago, we had people with this gift speak at some very key times in our planning, moving us along. Next, discernment of spirits. Someone with this gift is able to discern when God is present and acting, to discern whether something is of God or not. Healing. Bring the healing of God to physical ailments. My grandmother took the Alpha Course in her 80s, the Alpha Course being that introduction to the Christian faith. And often the Alpha program includes a weekend away. And the content of that weekend away is focused on the Spirit and the Spirit's gifts. 
At this particular retreat time, there was a, a portion of it carved out for healing prayer, and my grandmother went forward and was prayed over, and she had debilitating back pain. And in the midst of that prayer, the pain was relieved. It's the gift of healing in operation. Now, the last power gift here are words of knowledge and wisdom. Uh, This is a gift where someone is given access by God to knowledge or wisdom that they would have in no other way but through the revelation of God. That when spoken or revealed, aids a person or a community in their growth in Christ. Paul's list of gifts to the Corinthians gives us the power gifts. Gifts that demonstrate the power, the presence, the purposes of God. Now, when we get to this particular set of gifts and speak of them publicly to a a group of people with very different experiences, there's often a very mixed reaction. For some, there's often a wall of resistance or fear that goes up. For some, that's utterly reasonable. Some of us have had experiences where these gifts have been misused and people have been hurt. If that is part of your story, I'm angry, I'm grieved, I'm, I'm sorry for your sake. But I think it would be helpful to recognize that all spiritual gifts have the potential to be misused, right? I, I, I'm sure as we went through the, the love gifts and the word gifts, that these gifts have been wielded for self-centered gain or not attended with Christian character and harm has been caused. We would be right, however, to recognize that a gift where someone says, this is a communication of God for you, the potential for harm grows exponentially. As Paul speaks to the Corinthian Christians through his letter that are facing this reality, he says to them often, test the spirits, make sure this is of God. Do this in an orderly fashion. Do this as a community. Do this under authority. He's trying to foster the environment where these gifts can be exercised in such a way as to mutually benefit all who are involved. For some of us, though, that resistance may not be born of past experience at all, but rather a particular set of theological convictions. You may say, well, well, yes, indeed, God does lavish gifts upon his church, but this category of gifts, these power gifts, often called charismatic gifts, have ceased. And that theological conviction is called cessationism. It's the belief that these gifts were only needed during the time of the early church, Now that the church is established, the canon of Scripture closed, we have God's Word given to us in Scripture, there's now no more need for these gifts. And so where we see some evidence of them, well, that's just not of God, we say. I have throughout my life held many of those hesitations, fears, convictions. But as Orvin and James shared in previous weeks about the love gifts and the word gifts, I want to take a few moments to share how the power gifts have aided me in my walk with Christ to live in balance and equilibrium with the calling. 
my first memorable experience with the power gifts came when I was in grade 12. I was 17 at the time. And my parents had gone to a charismatic renewal weekend at Muskoka Woods Camp on the shores of Lake Rosso. I was really excited to go, not for the church part. I was excited to go because they had just built a new skate park. And I was a a skateboarder, and they had this incredible skate park that I was really stoked to ride. And that's how we used to speak as skaters. And it was a time in my life where I ate, drank, slept skateboarding. Hours upon hours of it, learning the new tricks, even in the winter in our garage. I wanted, at that time in my life, to become a professional skateboarder. Now, there were a number of youth groups at this retreat, including the one that I attended in nearby North Bay, the closest city to where I'd grown up. And there was a concurrent youth program. Now, the youth speaker was an Anglican minister from Elliott Lake named Bob Davies. He was a great guy, easy to listen to and to talk to, but the topic really weirded me out. Uh, Given that this was a charismatic renewal weekend, the topic was on the Spirit and the Spirit's gifts. Now, just picture it for a moment. I think at the time I had dyed blonde, long hair, big baggy skater pants, chain wallet. I was sitting at the back door with my arms crossed, my skateboard at my feet exuding. I don't want to be here, so shut up so I can go skateboarding. Now, at the end of the session, the speaker said, now, whoever would like prayer... At the end of the session, come up to the front, sit in the seat, and we'll pray over you. And he highlighted that one of the youth in his youth group, she had a gift of prophecy. Speak the words of God into your life. He closed the session, dismissed the room, save for those who wanted to be prayed for. I tried to get up and leave and go out the back door. But I couldn't move. All I'd wanted to do for the last hour was get out of there, but when I was free to do so, I literally couldn't move. I couldn't get out the back door. I felt something preventing me from doing so. My only freedom of movement was forward. I became the first person to sit in that chair for prayer. When I sat down, they began to pray. They laid hands on me, beginning some of them to speak in tongues. It really weirded me out. And then the young woman who we're told had a gift of prophecy, it was probably more of a gift of knowledge, said, Tim, I'm really sensing here that God is saying that there's something blocking your relationship with him. Now, you might think, because I've been as skeptical as the best of us about this stuff, well, that, that could be anything, right? I, I mean, you could say that about anyone who sat down in that chair And that would be true because every single one of us has something blocking our relationship with God. But when she said that, something happened in me. In my mind's eye, written in bright letters across the darkness of my closed eyes, was the word skateboarding. In that very moment, the desire to skateboard left me. And it didn't pick it up again. What had been an incredible passion and hobby took up all my spare time. The hope of a future career, if you can call professional skateboarding a career, was utterly gone. In its place 
came the desire for prayer, scripture reading, study. My relationship with God began to deepen and grow and directed my subsequent years of schooling, shaped a sense of calling eventually to ministry, directed my involvement in the local church and the parachurch ministries I was a part of in university. If not for her gift of power to speak into that area of my life, I wonder where I'd be now. God used her, her gift, to speak into my life in an incredible way to lead me to walk in step, in balance, in equilibrium with the calling. Now, since that time, I've had other experiences with those gifts, some good, some not so good. And so I began to slip back into a partly cynical, partly hesitant, partly fearful but partly yearning stance. It left me open, but, but not seeking. And then, last summer, the Diocese of Toronto gives its ministers up to 10 days for study leave, chance to go to a conference or a retreat. And for years, I, I didn't use any of it. The last couple of years, though, I've used it to take a week away to, to read, to study, to pray, do the fall planning, and also preach at another church. Last summer, one of the books in my reading list was a book entitled Convergence. It was written by a friend of mine, John Thompson, who's the pastor of Sanctus Church, what was formerly Crothers Creek Community Church in Ajax. And it's a book that formed many of the thinking behind uh, this series for all of us. And the premise of the book was that the practice of spiritual disciplines— and the full expression of the diversity of the Spirit's gifts become the convergence point for God to bring about renewal and revival in his church. I remember getting to the chapter on these power gifts, and as I read it, I began to be convicted that as a leader in the local church, I wasn't really all that open to seeing these gifts exercised in our community. He acknowledged his own hesitancy in that. But as I sensed that conviction, I began to pray into that conviction, asking God by his spirit to transform and and shape me, shape my leadership such that I would be open to the diversity of gifts being expressed. Now, while away on study week, I put on my out of office so I could focus on the studying and the praying and the planning. And when I got back to the office on the Monday, I opened up my inbox and began to go through the emails. And one of the emails was from someone in our congregation who has one of these power gifts, who has in the past received words of wisdom and knowledge from God. When I first arrived seven, eight years ago, he'd shared one with me that he'd received a few years before my arrival, but there'd been none since. And the email essentially said, I was praying this morning, and God gave me a word for you. It was attached in a word document. I opened it, read it, and laughed with joy. Because it was an answer to the prayer that I'd prayed that past week. When I finished, I wondered when it had come in. It was on the Wednesday, five days before It was the very morning that I was reading that book on the power gifts and praying was the very morning that he, as he prayed, God was giving him a word for me. 
Yes, God was saying, this is what I want for this church, for little T, for my church, that you would be open to the diversity of my gifts, that you might walk in step and balance and equilibrium with the calling. And so last year's retreat, this sermon series then has become an act of obedience in step with that prayer. This person later shared with me that this was the first they'd received such a word in years. The timing was just too deliberate to be coincidental. In some ways, yes, we can thank God that we aren't a church that would have to receive such a hard word as did the people of Corinth. But in other ways, it is grievous that such a letter cannot be written to us. For the church in Corinth was a community that both received and expressed the diversity of gifts. May we as well be a community that is open to receiving and expressing that gift, those diversity of gifts, that we might walk in step and balance and equilibrium with the calling, that we might bear witness and word and deed to the new humanity, the new future that Jesus has won for us in his death and resurrection, that we might be brought to maturity, that we might be built up in love. And so let us pray. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Lavish your gifts upon us that we might bear witness and so glorify your son, Jesus. For it is in his name that we pray. Amen. You've just listened to a podcast from Little Trinity Church in Toronto. Please check out our website at www.littletrinity.org to find out more about our ministries and services.